Hello, welcome to Dorks on Sports, a podcast about four dorks talking about sports. Today, there's only three of us, though. Alana, we'll, we'll miss you this week. Uh, joining me, as always, is Curtis. How are you doing over there? I'm doing well. Yeah, you look well. Yeah, I feel well. I got a new, uh, I got a new Seahawk hoodie. Oh, that's very nice. It's, oh, uh, it's, Isn't it's that cool? got a little retro thing going on. If you're listening to the podcast, you can, you can check out Curtis's fancy new hoodie on YouTube, where you can yeah. watch our, our very video cast style. or pretty faces. Yeah, I like it. No, that looks nice. Uh, Millie, how's it going over there? You know what? It's not going well. <laughs> no, tell me about it. Um. I have become the thing that is, it's rare for me, but uh, I have become fantasy irrelevant. Oh my God. Mm. Wow. Irrelevant. Yep. Yeah, hey. it was a, it was a sad, sad week. Uh, I lost <laughs> my, I lost my long time, like league. And mm. I lost to uh, the commissioner who I don't think has ever beaten me in a playoff. So, mm. you know, kudos to you, Brandon. You'll never listen to this podcast, but you know, good job, buddy. Good job. Really. <laughs> so basically you're the, uh, the, the 2022 Rams. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty right. much. Yeah. I lived in, um, you know, it's fine. Mm. It's fine. Uh, now that Jalen hurts is probably out this weekend like i was probably gonna lose this weekend um maybe not justin fields is my backup but he might not be in good shape either um anyway uh and then in my i did win in the one league but that's in the losers bracket so it doesn't oh that's all that matters we're relevant if you're if you're winning in the losers bracket nobody wins yeah no yeah so yeah, you can keep asking me about my fantasy team, but it's just going to be depressing. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, <laughs> better luck next year. Do you do you ever do you do you ever do uh, fantasy baseball? I don't. Devin uh, does fantasy baseball, uh, and uh, I did it years ago. I went back and looked. I think I played for three seasons, and I actually won one of them. <laughs> but it's just. <laughs> It's all about how you set up those leagues, but um, the ones I did anyway, it just takes a lot more time and effort than oh, so fantasy much. football. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you just have to change your lineups a lot, and I don't pay enough attention for that. And it's such a long season. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's a long, it's a long season. It's a long season. Yeah, that's true. But uh, hey, all you fantasy baseball nerds out there, keep keep doing what you're doing. That's right. No, no that's judgment. Right. Yeah. I didn't even know that there was fantasy baseball. Oh, and they, basketball. They, they choose a sport and it's got a fantasy now. Yeah. I did I did fantasy football like one year back in I think like 2003 or something like that and I feel like I came in like third place with it all but it was just like it's, it was it's a different arena. A, it was too much commitment and B it was sort of it was for me personally and how I view football, I felt like it was sort of taking the fun out of football for me yeah. because I felt like, you know, because I've always been a diehard Seahawk fan, but like, oh, I've got this person on the Rams and I've got this person on that. So like, you know, I just want my team to kick the shit out of the Rams, but then I have to want like Tory Holt to like, you know, grab eight catches and three touchdowns and like all yeah. this so I was just kind of like, nah, this isn't for me. I'm- I no. will often uh, bench 
a player on the opposing team that the Seahawks are going against just because I want to be able to enjoy the game. Yeah. But I also, you know, when fighting for my, uh, my playoff life i did in fact play the 49ers defense this past week because i'm no fool oh yeah that's 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 smart i mean <laughs> i always went the yeah. opposite direction i would play those players because then for me uh i came out winning that sunday either the seahawks won that's always good or <laughs> the other team probably did something well to win and uh, my fantasy team did well and then you have those games like, uh, you know, those uh, mid 10 Seahawks Cardinals <laughs> games that would end up in an eight and eight tie and uh, that nobody wins those games. No, yeah. there is no winning. There's no, no winning. You know who, uh, who, who didn't win this week? Seahawks versus the 49ers. 49ers end up sweeping the Hawks this year. Oof. Yeah. Um, that was first uh, time since 2011. When Tavares Jackson was our quarterback. Well, hey, listen, uh, didn't the 49ers? So this is what Russell year? Wilson, this is, I was just going to interject. This is what Russell Wilson can now say uh, and hold. <laughs> That's true. That every that year that he's been the quarterback of the Seahawks, they have either swept the 49ers or they've split. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Well, that's, uh, you know, you can have that, Russ. Um, 49ers look really good this year. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, especially if if uh, if Hertz is going to be out for any period of time, or if this is just an injury that you know he's going to have to play with. Man, I don't know. 49ers might be the the team to beat in the NFC. Yeah, there's something. There's something that I think's a little bit maybe the way in which the way in which the Minnesota Vikings came back in that game. I sort yeah. of feel like like I'm not totally bought into that team, but I will say that type of that type of outcome, yeah, and that type of finish could be could be a spark for them. Now, well, I think the Minnesota Vikings are this year's team of destiny, right? Like everything just keeps bouncing their way. Mm. Um, also, yeah. uh, uh, we'll we'll get into that. I, I have a, I have a lot to talk about with that. <laughs> that Minnesota game. Um, uh, I don't want to dwell too much on the the game versus the 49ers because I feel like these games are turning into a broken record. Um, it's it's just the same issues every week, right? Um, uh, what I'd rather do is talk about uh, what we'd like to see from this team finishing out. And um, do you think this team is going to the playoffs or not? Do you think we're going to, I mean, to, to get there, I think the Seahawks have to win at least two more games to two of the three. So we have the chiefs jets and Rams. So I think they have to win at least two of those uh, to have a chance at the playoffs. So Millie, what do you think? Do you think, uh, do you think the chances of the Seahawks going to the playoffs this year are sound? Um, and what would you like to see out of them? You know, as we finish the season up. I, I don't think it's impossible for them to, um, to get a wild card spot, but I think it's pretty unlikely. Um, I, I think that the, was it the, the lions and the giants, like, I, I just think there's more hope there than there is, uh, for the Hawks. And honestly, I think sadly, 
to my eyes, those two teams probably have a better chance of getting that random win in a wild card game than we do. But I'm also uh, I'm I'm very aware of my emotional roller coaster as a 12 uh, and as a fan. <laughs> so right now I'm in that place of like we don't even deserve it. <laughs> we win the next three games, and I'm like, fuck you, we're winning the Super yeah, Bowl. No, we're going all the way. Woo! You, you jumped off the wagon. We never left it, you know. So. <laughs> You have to take it all with a grain of salt. Right now, I'm in a, a little bit of a bitter place. Um, I would have liked to have seen us uh, take it last week. I might not have picked it to happen, but I sure would have loved to have seen it. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there were just all these little, little hopeful things. And I know we don't want to dwell on the last game, but, um, you know, we didn't win it. But you give me the next two. And I'll give you a completely different story on this podcast in two weeks, right? But where we are right now, I don't see it. What I want to see out of the team, though, I do want to see them. I want to see them fight. I want to see some uh, players maybe that we haven't seen a lot of get a little more opportunity to get some eye test time. And I think that's important going into the offseason to have a, a feeling for who you might want to keep developing. Mm-hmm. And as you're, you know, figuring out what you want your team to look like next year, um, if we're at that point, but I don't think it's time to quite throw in the towel. So I don't want to see us resting players quite yet. I think for me, until, until you are actually mathematically eliminated, you never stop fighting. And after that, then maybe your focus could be on, on seeing seeing some stuff, some scenarios, some players, maybe you throw in Drew Locke and give him, you know, give him the ball, but you don't do that until your chances are over. For me, I'm going to keep going with Gino. I'm going to put DK out there. I am, you know, if, if we win this game week after next, if Tyler wants to go play, Tyler goes and plays. Like I'm going to keep playing my studs until there's a reason not to. Um, And I want to see them, you know, play with as much as they can too Mm -hmm. um as a fan that's what i want as a human being i understand that there are other factors for players as human beings (laughs) (laughs) as well so you know everybody's got to do what they got to do but as a fan i want to see it i want to go as hard as we can um i'd love to see some creative play calling just Again, you know, it's time to throw things at the wall. It's time to take some chances. Um, it, and that's, yeah, that's what I want to see out of the next couple of weeks is uh, hard as you can. And uh, if we are mathematically eliminated, then show me something interesting. Keep it fun. Keep it competitive. I agree. Yeah. Uh, there, I mean, we're, we still have an outside chance of the playoffs. Um, we're still right in that hunt. And I feel the same way as you, which is like, keep going. I, you know, who's to say we can't win the next three games, you know, uh, or even if we lose against the chiefs who say, who says we can't get the jets and the Rams and maybe something bounces our way with, you know, Detroit and New York. Um, what do you think, Curtis, what do you want to see? And, uh, what, what do you, how do you think this season's going to play out the rest of the season, these last three games? Yeah. Um, uh, I want to see him, I want to see him finish strong. I want to see him, I want to see him take, uh, at least two out of the next three games. Yeah. Just 
two out of the next three. That's 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 my reason. I feel like that's my reasonable ask. I think this game uh, going into Kansas City, it's going to be about uh, eleven degrees. It's going to be frigid, freaking cold. Um, I think that's probably going to affect both offenses a bit. But uh, one team has. Uh, who I think is by far and away the best quarterback in the league mm-hmm. right now. And the other team has a decent quarterback who's, you know, putting up, you know, Pro Bowl numbers, um, but um, is down one of his star players and has a uh, gimpy running back right now who we still aren't certain with. Um, he has an offensive line that's a little bit shakier. Um and a defense that has been um, pretty erratic at best um, and uh, pretty bad at worst. So um, that said, I think this game this week is going to be tough. Um, do I think they could possibly win it? Sure. Um, but I'm not expecting it. And, but I would say, like, you know, if they play the Chiefs tough, I want to see them beat the Jets. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think the Jets are sort of on par with Seattle with where they are. I think they've mm-hmm. got a little bit better of a roster, but they got a worse quarterback situation. Um, and then I want to see them take care of business with the Rams at the end. I want to see them get to um to nine wins and uh feel and, and maybe a shot at the playoffs still. You know, they've got about a 30% chance, I think, right now at the playoffs. Um, nine games may not be enough, depending upon what uh, the Lions and what the um, what the Giants and yeah. and uh, fortunately and, and the Packers are still you know suddenly sort of up well. in the mix of it now too. Yeah. So like who yeah. knows if they start to get hot? So there's a lot of there's a lot of up in the air with the playoffs right now. The playoffs to me are almost immaterial. I just want to see them get to nine wins and make me feel like Jody Allen isn't going to be potentially you know, uh, looking at the way in which this team could potentially slide to uh, a one and seven record in the the second half of the season after they were six and three and thinking that she's got to make, you know, a tough call with the coaches, Mm -hmm. you know, and, or, you know, make it seem like, because it seemed like about a month ago, we were all super excited about what the, the, the potential direction of this team was going in, right? Like Carol looked like he was back in his element. Geno Smith looked like the next franchise quarterback for the foreseeable future. If they lose out, I think all of that is like, all of that is in flux. Like all of that is super fluid. You know, I mean, they could, you know, the ownership could decide, you know, with the way, you know, the Kraken is coming on and the way the Mariners are coming on and stuff like that. Like, I don't think they want to be in third place in this market. And they might look at the fact that, you know, Seattle has a rare opportunity right now with, you know, a top five pick to take a quarterback who could be the face of the franchise, the, you know, the the equivalent of a Matty Beneers or the equivalent of, a, you know, a Julio mm-hmm. Cruz, which they might feel the pressure of needing. And then the question becomes like, do they want to entrust a 70-year-old, a 72-year-old, you know, defensive-minded head coach that wasn't really hot on playing a younger quarterback this last time around and wanted to go with a more seasoned veteran, you know, so there's just a lot of things. I think there's a lot of moving parts with Seattle 
not playing well in these next three games that I would love to avoid. Yeah. Because I'm a Pete Carroll fan, you know, and, and I would love to see Pete Carroll walk away from this gig that he's had here for now 13 years, you know, on, on his own terms, on a high note, as opposed to an unceremoniously sort of like decline and exit. And then, have to also watch maybe potentially Geno Smith playing for the Washington commanders next year <laughs> and taking them to the playoffs, you know, or right. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or some other team that, you know, has the pieces in place where or a Geno Smith step in and, you know, and guide them, you know, I mean, so yeah. there's a lot, I feel like, I feel like, you know, I think, I feel like there's a lot at stake for this team in these next three games, uh, I potentially see, and maybe I'm a little bit of like the sky is falling, the sky is falling, chicken little, chicken little. But I also sort of feel like, you know, football is very cyclical, and you know, Carol has been here for a long time, and at some point, he's not going to be the guy anymore. Yeah, you know, and I, I just, I don't know, I just kind of, I, I would love, I, I would love for him to be extended for the next few years and to see him get back get this program back to a championship level and i don't know if going one and seven in this last half of the season is going to be a super big ringing endorsement for that for you know the the ownership group yeah i yeah. agree well and i think that this team <laughs> has the talent to you know have been um I mean, we we still have a shot at it, but a ten win team. Um, you know, it could happen, 11, yeah. yeah. Eleven win team. I, th- I I feel like if they if they can if they can hone down the defense, you know, and that they could just if they could just get disciplined and understand that teams are going to run at you, stop the freaking run, you know. <laughs> and if they can just if they can just get find a little bit more balance and consistency on offense, they should be able to beat they should be able to beat the last two teams they play. That's what I yeah. feel. like. I feel like they should take care of business. They got both of them at home. They should beat the Jets and the Rams. Yeah. And, you know, and and this would be an entire, we'd be having an entirely different conversation, I think, if, you know, Mm. we had been able to take two of the games against like Atlanta, New Orleans. Um, all those, Las, all those, Las all those Vegas. close losses now still feel a little bit bigger. You know, they, I mean that, they sure that, do. Loss, that yeah. loss against the Raiders feels feels huge. It now. feels pretty huge right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if if we had won that game, we we'd be still um, in. We'd be the know, seventh seed right our own now. destiny with the with the playoffs. Yeah, um, I uh, I agree. I, I I also I I just want us to finish strong. I don't need us to get into the playoffs. I think if we make it to the playoffs, that's really fun. Uh, it's mm-hmm. always fun to be in the playoffs. But the team that I see right now isn't competitive. So even going into the playoffs, I kind of feel like it's a one and done. Or maybe mm-hmm. you get that, you know, magical game, you know, wild card game that you win. Uh, and But, you know, um, I just want to see them finish strong. And I want to see them build on something um have something to build on next season um i want to see gino get back to what we saw out of gino in the first half of the season and i'm not saying gino's playing bad i am not one of those bandwagon fans that is like suddenly off the gino bandwagon Mm -hmm. um 
he's just not playing as brilliantly as he did in, you know, the first two thirds, you know, of three quarters of, of the season. Um, I think in the last five games or something like that, uh, his QBR is around 56, which is a little above average, mm-hmm. um, which by the way, if you had said that Geno Smith was going to have a QBR of 56 by the end of this season, I'd go, ah, those are Jimmy Garoppolo numbers. And uh, that's all I really wanted out of Geno Smith was uh, another game managing Jimmy Garoppolo. So the fact we're even talking about this mm-hmm. for me is like, let's, you know, let's, let's sign Geno again. But what what I saw out of Gino in sort of like the first, you know, two thirds or three quarters of the season was um, a lot more audibling at the line. It seemed like he was really breaking those defenses down and the plays that he was making was taking what the defenses were giving him. And I'm not seeing too much of that right now. I don't see a lot of audibling at the line. Um, and I see too many forced passes. Um, Gino's always kind of been a gunslinger like that. He, he's got a lot of confidence in his own accuracy, mm-hmm. rightly so. Uh, but it means that he'll force a ball into very dangerous windows. Um, and I feel like in the past few games, he's been forcing a few more of those than he normally does. And that's why his interceptions are going up a little bit more. Um, he's still highly accurate and, and he's still like, even though his interception percentage is up, it's not huge by any stretch. Um, it's not like he's throwing a ton of interceptions. Um, his numbers are still good. Um, he's he's got to- like the I feel like he's got like the second best passer rating in the league right now. Like overall. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right. Um, and like and around the fifth Cuba. or sixth yeah. best uh, QBR. Yeah. Um those are excellent I, numbers. I, I, I feel like I feel like over the last few games they've gotten away from the balance that they had when they were playing the Giants and the Chargers yeah. and stuff. Like they were more and and I was listening to Robert Turbin on 710 last week, and he brought up the point that like he feels like Waldron's play calling has really gotten away from a lot of cool things that they did early on by more under center and mixing in the run more and when they've gotten into more of the shotgun stuff is where they've gotten more stagnant with you know the misdirections and all the sort of fancy stuff that you can do you know i mean when when holmgren was coaching this team and was running that offense they were primarily a non-shotgun team yeah they were they were they were all about under center under center six step drop yeah and it was and it was play action and it was and it was and his whole thing was kind of like when you're under center the defense doesn't know if it's going to be a run or a pass chances mm-hmm. are they're thinking run but it could also you know and it's sort of and it's the other thing of like you know when the ball is snapped and you have to like go there and then look up like there's that it's just taking away the split seconds of you know so i kind of feel like i don't know why they've gotten into so much of the shotgun stuff i mean i've heard it explained that there's this whole run pass 
options sort of stuff that I feel like they kind of are trying to sort of do. But I feel like it's placating more of the pass game than it is the run game. And that 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 is as about as as antithesis of like Carol's philosophy as, <laughs> as, as I sort of feel like I've seen it. I mean, I think Carol's philosophy has has flipped over into an upside down world this year on defense too like and, you know that's a whole other sort of discussion but i just yeah i just don't know i, I feel like gino's maybe pressing more because more is being asked for him from him and there's less creativity yeah and and I, I and i think gino is a quarterback who who needs balance and and i don't think that's a knock against him i you know i don't think gino's paint manning i don't think you know Gino's a, um, a Tom Brady who can, you know, win by slinging it 52 times a game. Um, I, I think the the balance they had earlier in the season where, you know, he's throwing 30 passes a game um, and, and, you know, bringing in the, and the run game was also just like pretty solid. Um, and we need to bring that, that kind of like, do you think, um, has the offensive line regressed a little bit at at least in in the uh in the run game? Yeah, it's been I mean um uh Austin Blythe has really struggled a lot and yeah. like they're just they're 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 their defenses are now putting their best interior guy right right at the right in that sort of a gap and they're like really going after the center because they know he's a liability and gabe jackson is 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 they're doing a really weird thing with they're like because gabe jackson's older and they got this younger guy behind him and phil haynes and so they're rotating two players at right guard and I personally feel like it's a terrible idea because it's kind of like, you know, pick one because, right. Because offensive linemen need, aren't like defensive linemen. Like, like you need cohesion on the offensive line and like the guys playing next to each other need to know that guy sort of thing. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they've doing it. They've done stuff like this before in the past. I don't know if this is a Carol thing or if this is, yeah, but it's just, it's kind of like, Hey, let's kind of. Yeah. I, that's uh, one thing I'd like I definitely to feel like as we head into the off season, that, that interior offensive line has to be, has to I be agree. a, 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 a top priority. I, I'd I'd love to see them address the center position in particular, um, yeah. either in free agency or in the draft. We need to upgrade that. Um, I have a question, yeah, for the two of you. And so, at the before the season began, we gave our projections on the season, and mm-hmm. when things started going really well, we got to redo our projections, and those are no longer valid. But if you <laughs> yeah. go back to what you all thought. Before the season started, all of you, including Alana, ended up picking the exact same forecast, which was yeah. to go eight and nine mm-hmm. and possibly still make it into the wild card. That is pretty much a likely scenario and is what has happened. Mm-hmm. And what I find interesting, because I felt like your all's expectations were, were good to high. If mm-hmm. we could do that, like the, I feel like the, the feeling was, if we could do that, we're in pretty good shape. Yeah. 
right? It was like, this is a building year. We'll see what happens with Gino. Maybe, maybe Drew Locke's going to come in. Like we didn't know what's going to happen with the quarterback situation. But mm-hmm. other than that, we thought we were in this kind of middle building year and that eight and nine would be, that would be good. We'd be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Then we got our hopes up. And now the reality is, is that where we're landing is where you all felt like would be pretty good. And I'm pointing it out because I think this is the same sentiment that a lot of people have is that now that we're here and it's going to probably be an eight, nine season, it's like, it's this disappointment. And I'm curious, is it because you got your hopes up in the middle of the season or is it because it sounded like eight and nine would be pretty good, but the reality of eight and nine is not good? I would say I'm not disappointed. I, I, I've been saying all along, we've been playing with house money. Um, mm. And so when this team looked like one of the, you know, better teams in the NFC, that was just really, that was really fun. Um, so now that it's kind of come back to earth a little bit, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a little, okay, yeah. Uh, uh, I, 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 I think I would, I would like to see nine and eight. I think eight and nine would be disappointing. If we only won one more game Mm -hmm. over the past three weeks, that would be disappointing to me. And I'll tell you the reason, because when I predicted an eight and nine season, what I was predicting was a little more, um, inconsistency and up and down. So we'd have, a couple game, you know, a couple weeks in a row where we win and then we'd have like a three game losing streak and then we'd win one and we'd lose one and we'd kind of go up and down like that. Or it would be one of those Pete Carroll seasons where it got the season um, got better as it went along. So you lose a bunch of games before the bye and then they get better and better and better. Kind of like what happened last season, right? With the defense where it was like all of a sudden in the last game, it's a blowout. And we're like, well, if we'd been playing like this all season, uh, we'd be going to the playoffs. Um, what I, what, what concerns me is a regression and, yeah. um, and then losing out in a season, um, you know, that scares me. I, I don't like yeah, that, that because makes me now I don't know what the issue is there that, that seems to me, it's like, there's some coaching going on or, or something. Um, and that makes me nervous and I don't like it. And, and we don't usually get it from Pete Carroll team. We did get it from a Pete Carroll team, um, in that 2010 season, his first season, um, and then we ended up, you know, sneaking into the playoffs with a losing record and then beating the defending champions. And that was really fun. But that was um, all momentum. So, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but I remember limping into that playoff game. It was like, man, we're just giving this one. Like, we, you know, we, we, we didn't take it, uh, but it was kind of cool to get that win against new orleans and then really build on that uh for 2012 i'm hoping that this season is a little more like that 2010 season where it's just so many young players and pete carroll's just trying to get them to buy in um you know like that 2010 season there was a lot of you know Earl Thomas freelancing and, you know, Matt Hasselbeck, not really right for the scheme. And, you know, Marshawn Lynch kind of like figuring himself out again. You know, there's like a lot of ground game was terrible too. The line was bad. The, the defense was, was not, 
Yeah, they 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 it had really like good were, pieces. But I actually felt better the during the 2011 season when Tavares was because Tavares wasn't a very good quarterback, but you could see that defense turning, and it's just like yeah. and and they beat like quality teams that you didn't expect them to beat. Like they right. beat you know the Ravens when the Ravens were at the top of their game, and they went in and they beat the Giants when the Giants were at the top of their game, and you're just like, oh shit, we're beating actually like kind of like a plus teams but then we'd lose to sort of like c teams but it was sort of like it kind of felt like it was all forgiven because you could really feel like you could feel the roster coming together i would just say from my perspective at the start of the season when i picked eight and nine i felt like we would get the 2011 seahawks where we would get you know a good defensive effort Mm -hmm. Um, we get pieces of the offense but Geno Smith would essentially be Tavares Jackson who would Mm -hmm. probably be like okay but not good like not like not the future what I didn't anticipate was that we would get a quarterback that has ended up playing um, at at, at a Pro Bowl level consistently all the way through like I didn't see that happening and so when that happened and then the defense adjusted for that stretch of four games and they got to you know when they got to six and three it wasn't just like oh shit we're gonna get to the playoffs it's just like oh wow they made the turn on defense they adjusted back to stuff they were doing similarly in the past and so now it's all going to sort of tie together and so where i feel like the disappointment like if it, if we end up where i i would i would feel i would feel nervously disappointed at 7 and 10 i would feel slightly squeamishly disappointed at like at like eight and nine because of the way we finished out losing uh four games out of five to teams uh um yeah uh uh, three 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 out of those four losses were to teams that are actually all you know uniformly pretty bad teams so and and we let them we let them roll on us uh i think the uh to put it more succinctly, I think the regression on defense to me is the most disturbing trend. And, yeah. and, and this is with a defensive minded head coach who I feel like has, this is my, this is my guess is what's happening is he, he didn't want to like step in and ruffle the feathers of the new coaches as they're trying to sort out this whole new scheme and everything like that. But I feel like that cost us games, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like we could have, like when we came out of that, that stretch of game that four game win streak like we fell into going back into a scheme that wasn't working in the first half of the season when we adjusted away from that so the decision to do that I just I don't know to me I feel like 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 going from uh six and three and being in complete control of your own destiny to falling kind of off the cliff in a, in a, in a eight and nine sort of range feels really lackluster to me. Yeah. And, 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 and in my mind, in my football mind, 
paints more questions than it does answers as to what they would even do next season with the high draft picks that we presume they would probably use on defense. Like, you know, is schematically is this, you know, are they just good enough as coaches to really get this team up? And the other thing too, is they're going to be this year, they were playing on, on a soft schedule, ish because they were uh fourth place they were so they got the fourth place schedule which is typically like the easiest thing like this is the reason why the nfl is this perfect parody league is because if you go in last place you get the easier schedule now they're going to be in second place next year because the teams that are behind them like you know the rams had a shitty year and the cardinals fell apart so now like the cardinals and the rams are going to be beneficiaries of an easier schedule next year where the seahawks are going to presumably be, you know, placed up against other second place teams in the conferences that are going to be tougher. So like, to me, like just win nine games and (laughs) feel like you have the fucking answers. Like that, I think that's what it is. I just, I just, I just wonder if they have the answers, you know, I'd like to see an improvement on, on that run defense. Just show me some improvement. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. And so to, to go back to what we're talking about with, with, projections and and emotionally how it makes you feel when they are happening i think what i'm hearing is the thought was with an eight nine team it was going to be because offensively we were going to need a lot of work and instead Mm -hmm. the discovery was defensively Defensively. we need a ton of work and the only contrast i would give is that for me coming out at at five and twelve I just figured the whole team needed work. So <laughs> there's a yeah. little less of so less at of least knowing down. that there's pieces in place. I um, will say this is the one thing that I am I am excited about is that I don't think the defense means that much work. I think the defense is pretty solid in the secondary. Um, I don't think they have to worry about that too much. And if they can like really just focus on that defensive line, uh, and 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 maybe What's the line in his coaching. I think it's uh, to me, I think it's scheme, it's scheme and probably coaching, because I actually think that they actually have if they used if they use the defensive tackles in the way in which, you know, they're best suited to be used, I think you would see, you know, a better defensive effort. I don't think they have they don't have the players on the roster to play to the scheme that I think that they you know, Clint hurt wants them to do in that whole two gapping stuff, which we won't get into, but like, it takes a real different body. They basically need, they've got, <clears throat> they've got one Al Woods out of like six bodies, right? They need six Al Woods. Yeah. Well, like, now Al Woods has an Achilles. So, and uh, so now he has an yeah, Achilles. Exactly. Like, like really they should have, they, sh- you know, if they, if they really wanted to make they need to bring in me band and red bryant yeah 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 you need yeah it's it's so they so in a sense it is it is it is player issues but i think more in my mind it's schematic i feel like there's things in the schemes that they're asking them to do that are unsound based on the talent that they have if that makes sense and that i find problematic in my mind <laughs> like why are you doing that why are you asking guys you know it's like in the acting world like we're all the three of us are actors right like one of the some of the worst experiences i've ever had was like what is getting cast and taking on a role that 
I kind of knew like, ooh, this could be a challenge for me. And then I get in the rehearsal process and I'm just like, why the fuck did you cast me in this? Like, <laughs> like why are you I asking not me right to do for this thing that I am <laughs> incapable of doing? I'm going to look terrible. You're going to look terrible. So I can see like, like the likes of like Quentin Jefferson and Puna Ford and other people on the team that, and that who have been, I think, getting like ragged on a lot by like fans and people on sports radio and i'm kind of like they were good players last year yeah you just had them doing something different you know yeah yeah you know yeah um i kind of wanted to talk about a few games from this past sunday this past sunday was pretty wild for football um and uh and i just want to talk about a few games first of all that minnesota game was in the what the the biggest comeback in nfl history is that what it ended up being yeah absolutely yeah um Listen, I'm not taking any way, anything away from Minnesota. I think they are a charmed team right now, and I think they they are talented. They've got some, you know, maybe the best receiver in the game, uh, and they do a lot of stuff really well. But I'm going to be real, Minnesota and Minnesota fans. The reason why that ended up being the greatest comeback in NFL history is because Jeff Saturday is a bad coach. <laughs> <laughs> This is why Jeff Saturday should not be head coach of a team. Um, anyway, I had to get that off my chest. That <laughs> bothered me when uh, he was announced, and here we are. Um, also, uh, Matt Ryan being the beneficiary of uh, being on the wrong side of, uh, of uh, the, the worst comeback loss in uh, Super Bowl history, right? When yeah. when Tom Brady and the Patriots oh God, uh, yeah. took it, and, yeah. and then this one, so yeah, he's on the receiving end of both of those records. And, uh, oh, that's buddy, that's uh, Matt Ryan. You got enough money. Like, let's. I think it's time to hang up those cleats. Um, I also want to talk about the end of that uh, Patriots game because that was the dumbest ending of an NFL game. I, and I, I, this is not hyperbole. I think that's the dumbest ending on an, of an NFL game I've seen in my 30 whatever years of watching football. Have As you heard Jacoby the audio? Said, did he think they were behind or was he just like, I'm trying to win the game? Has he said, has he had a presser? <laughs> I have. Here's the thing. I, if he would say that, at least I would understand that, that I would go, okay, that makes sense. I have also been an idiot once, but <laughs> Uh, maybe if he does say, I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I don't know how he's not on the waiver wire right now. Like I, I would think that Bill Belichick would have cut him before uh, he even got on the plane. That's exactly going to happen. <laughs> like, it was just. Uh, you should treat yourself to uh, the audio of Scott Zolak's play-by-play uh, -play, uh, or oh. uh, color commentary on. Uh -huh. On, on the radio broadcast of that game for the <laughs> Patriots radio station. Because yeah. he was just like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Good night. It's just like, like a guy who's like employed by the Patriots. It's just like, that's, that's, that's the dumbest 
freaking thing I've ever seen. I just <laughs> on a football field. Just, <laughs> also, just like the, the embarrassment of Mac Jones just getting trucked like that. And uh, uh, if I was a Patriots fan, I don't know if I would I would turn on a game for the rest of the season. I think I'd be that'd be it for me <laughs> for the season. Yeah, I feel bad for you. I feel bad for the Patriots fans. Uh, yeah, that's sad. And then the Cowboys <laughs> dropping theirs too, which was pretty bad. Um, that was fun. Well, you- go Jags. That's all I have to say about the Cowboys. Go, go yeah. Jags. Uh, I will say yeah I'm a little uh concerned uh, about Jalen Hurts being hurt but I think they're just I think they're just holding him back for a week because they've already they've already gotten they already clinched a playoff spot Mm -hmm. like the guy has been playing a little hurt and then he got real hurt I just yeah you're gonna you're gonna hold him out you're not gonna play him you're gonna bring him back in a week or two because you're 13 and one like yeah. and Minshew's a good player yeah Minshew, yeah Minshew, yeah uh, this would be a nice opportunity you know for him to maybe win a game or two uh, I, that that also that showcases stuff for another team for about. next season what's that also showcases stuff for uh you know a job next season if he wants to you know be a bridger or get a starting job somewhere he'll be yeah. a free agent yeah 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 yeah, I, I like Gardner Minshew. I'm rooting for him. Never always liked him, yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, the Kraken one. You know hey. The Kraken, the Kraken one. Hey, uh, real quick, though. Did you want to do any predictions? For Let's do this? some predictions. Oh, yeah. We do Let's do some predictions. Uh, so uh, Seahawks are going on the road against uh, Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Oof. I, I mean, at the beginning of the season, I had this one marked as an L. Um, and, uh, I'm going to have to say it's going to be another L. I don't think it's going to be close. I don't know. Um, I think Pat, I, here's the other thing though. I do think the chiefs are a little bit more vulnerable than I had thought. Um, uh, but they still find a way to, you know, even when they're not playing well, they still find a way to win those stupid games. Um, I don't know. Their defense isn't as good as the 49ers and, and the Hawks can put up points. So they could find themselves in a shootout for a majority of this game. And then I think, you know, Pat Mahomes does what he does and he just kind of like takes over a game. Um, I'm going to say this one ends up being 27, 21 chiefs. Curtis? Uh, I found a there's a, a real interesting stat online uh recently that the teams that have the record of the teams that have played the Houston Texans the following week like have the the record so they play the t- the Texans and then the following week like the like all these teams that like the combined record is like three and eleven. Oh yeah, that was like the Seahawks in twenty thirteen. Yeah, like everybody like, played the for Seahawks. Some, for some, I haven't watched a week. lick of like Texan football at all, but for some reason, like this team, this team that is like one and eleven and one or something like that, 
yeah. seems to be taking it out on <laughs> that uh, team is feisty taking him, I, taking I him to the wire game. enough where like teams struggle the following week so that gives me like a glimmer of hope about this but i feel like um while i feel like the seattle <laughs> offense can probably put up you know some decent points potentially in this one uh the weather isn't going to be great for the uh the past game i don't think uh because it's going to be 11 degrees outside and so that that ball is going to feel like a rock and i feel like you know being in the midwest and in that part of the region like the chief players are probably a little bit more used to what that feels like outside than what the the seahawk players probably feel like and we're down like i'm not super confident that you know um ken walker is going to be healthy enough to go um he was held out of practice mm -hmm. today um and carol indicated about like it's still a pretty touchy sort of situation with his ankle um so i don't even know if he's going to go in this one and um just in terms of like the i know the C, the seahawk defense did a better effort against the 49ers but um you know the 49ers um didn't have patrick mahomes you know and i just feel like yeah. patrick mahomes is going to and i know that like you know like a passing offense is probably going to be an easier thing for seattle because they have Tariq woolen but i feel like the way and, and that might feel like that for a while but i feel like you know they do things they do things better than any other offense the way they the way they set up the screens the way they do all that sort of stuff i feel like we're probably going to lose that thing um i would say probably something like 35 24 you know yeah vegas yeah. also says that the yeah. seahawks are going to lose by that ma'am yeah so um, I've had this as my upset special for some time, regardless of how the it. season went. So um, as much as I absolutely not necessarily feeling it, I have decided to stick with my early guns on this right. one. I think we are their trap game. I hate the fact that we are at 10 a.m. on a Saturday. That concerns me. That sucks. But um. They've got nothing left to lose and they have to win the game. And that's true. This is a kitchen sink game. Yeah. I, I didn't so consider that. This totally is a kitchen sink. My game. only, my only like, Oh, is, uh, is Travis Kelsey because it doesn't matter what team it is, what year it is. We <laughs> just can't stop tight ends. If your name is Seahawks. So tragically Kelsey will stub his toe. Okay, I don't want him hurt hurt. He can just stub his toe a little. Um, and we can win this game. And we are it's going to be a shootout and a high scoring game. So um I'm gonna go Hawks 31, Kansas City 27. Oh, I like it. Going yeah, on that bothered me uh against San Francisco. George Kittle hasn't done anything all season, and then he like it's scores two, two TDs. Like, come on, man. Come on, man. Come on. Yeah. I like it, Millie. I, I'm uh, I'm on Millie's bandwagon. Do it. 
do it. Yeah. It's fun. It's really fun until everyone <laughs> falls off and it's super fun. <laughs> I'm into it. Uh, okay, Christmas you want, miracle. You want, Mark my words. Dorkin? Sure. Yeah. Can I tell you what I've been dorking out about? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I think White Lotus season two just concluded a few weeks ago and it was all over the place and it's all anybody could ever talk about. And I wasn't really interested in it. It sounded to me like a bunch of rich white people with rich white people problems. And it sounded like a rich soap opera. I'm like, ah, bleh, nah, I'm not into that. Into that kind of stuff doesn't interest me. But then I started reading about it as uh, you know, everybody's talking about it. And then I was like, oh, this actually sounds like a satire of rich people centered around a murder. And that I'm totally into. So <laughs> I picked it up and uh, I'm way into it. I've been binging the hell out of it. Uh, it's super fun. Um, I know there's some people out there that it's like, why do I want to watch a bunch of rich people being bad and doing bad things? It's satire. It's it's saying that, yeah, rich people are bad um, and just like have fun with, uh, you know, have fun with it. Um, I, I think it's uh, super, super fun. It's got some great actors in it. Um, um, Jennifer Coolidge is amazing. Um, and she's doing some of like the best work I've ever seen her do uh, in this TV show. I think she's absolutely outstanding. And with a character that is at once like super obnoxious um, and then also really just kind of tragically heartbreaking. And there's a, there's a, episode that I just watched where you really like go I understand I understand you um she's just fabulous did you watch um, season one uh, uh white lotus yeah that's what I'm watching right now yeah I'm, oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I've almost finished it I I've got one episode left I think um yeah yeah uh I thought I I just uh I just think it's really really well done and I like all of the actors. And Alexandria Daddario uh, is like I I I've, I've, I like her a lot. I've seen her in a number of things, and this is the first one where I was like, "Damn, Alexandria, you're an actor! Like you're a real actor." Um, she's doing really, really fantastic work in it. Um, yeah, uh, and, and then Molly a... Shannon coming out of nowhere, uh, do who I just friggin' adore. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Alexandria Daddario is um, um, the 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 couple on the honeymoon. She's the wife of that right. couple. Yeah, yeah, I believe she was. She got a nomination for an Emmy for that performance. She that well deserved. I thought. I think she's absolutely excellent. Um, yeah, and Steve Zahn coming out of nowhere too. I was like, dang. Oh wow! And and, and being like actually like really good in it. Yeah. Um, he's yeah. so cringy in in this yeah is he <laughs> in season two no my i haven't seen Steve's season two oh. i believe jennifer coolidge's character is 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 the holdover and uh -huh. everything else is new but i haven't seen it this is all just based on the little bit of knowledge i have yeah I the next one's in either. season two's in italy so it's in a different white lotus resort got it got it got yeah it. yeah yeah at a different time. I, I kind of had uh, uh, that feeling that this season was going to end, like it was going to end and the story is done there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm way oh, into Aubrey it. Aubrey Plaza is in it. 
Yeah, in season two. Uh, in season two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big Aubrey Plaza fan. Yeah, I, I, I as well. Her. Like the. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll have to check this one out. Yeah, I'm having fun. It's just, it's super. Um, I don't know. It's just fun. <clears throat> You can count me in in the camp that was kind of like, oh yeah, stupid rich white people. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's really funny. It's satirizing that one yeah. percent. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, this is this is rich people. Yeah, they are this awful. Um, yeah, I was like that on that show that everyone was raving about last year about the 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 thing that's about like you know Rupert Murdoch and his family and shit like that. Yeah, it's 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 the, it's the same kind of thing. I I think it's it's the same kind of like satire where it's just you know these bad people doing bad things, but the show knows that, and so you know that's the that's that's what it's about that's the thing yeah. um succession is what curtis is talking about yeah, yeah have you seen succession millie um based on you all talking about it i did finish the first season i started the second season and then i got distracted yeah um it took a long time for me in season one to see what the big deal was and then there was an episode of that um was where they went to the retreat the family goes to the retreat and and uh that was the episode for me i was like oh my god this is <laughs> just okay uh, it's just fascinating and weird and funny and dark and i guess i'm into it but not enough that it's holding me like on a binge level it's yeah. it's there every now and then i'm like oh maybe i should pick that up again and then and then I do, I'm going to transfer to, to dorking. And then I always pick shows for some reason that I'm not even sure I really want to watch, but I can't quite quit them. <laughs> One of which being uh, his dark materials. I didn't read the books. <laughs> I don't know Jack about this other than what I've seen in the HBO series. I didn't see the movie they made years ago. So I don't have that comparison nor do I have that knowledge of these worlds that other mm -hmm. people have. So there are things about it I really enjoy. And this new season, one of the most interesting things is actually it's these same actors who were children when this thing started and they're now young adults in, in real life and in the show. And um, the Lyra, the, the lead actress who plays Lyra uh, has really like... I don't mean this in a condescending way. She's blossomed into a really interesting actor um, from being this child actor. And that's cool. And the talking bear is cool. And these <laughs> worlds are kind of interesting, but now it's like, we're talking about <sighs> angels and the magisterium and multiple worlds and, 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 oh, and the <laughs> dust, which is sin. And I'm just like, I don't, I, I kind of want to know where all this is going and how it ends. And I kind of think this is the kind of like pseudo religious writing bullshit that I can't stand. Yeah. So I, I keep watching it though. Cause I just got to <laughs> know like, where is this going? How is this going to end? So I, I have been, uh, I've been watching that. I just wanted to give a little update on a show that I uh, dorked out on, which was uh, the peripheral I don't know. I don't know, man. Absolutely nothing. I'm going to tell you now, nothing gets resolved. Nothing makes sense. I still don't understand what a hub is. But visually, <laughs> visually, that show is really, really cool. So you don't care about the science of the science fiction plot um, as far as like 
time travel goes, it's super cool. Um, if you do care, then pay better attention than I did because I still don't know what the fuck a hub is. Um, <laughs> and that's where like real people live, but they're not real people. And, seriously. And <laughs> I have a third one because uh, I feel like at this point, it's like a promise that I've made to the 12s and they don't really care. It's really a promise to myself to watch bad Christmas movies. So we watch one every Tuesday before we record. And this week was, uh, I think it's called I Believe in Santa. It's on Netflix. It just came out last week. We just watched it. And it's about a woman who, um, you know, divorced, single mother. She meets this great guy, but he fucking loves Christmas. Like she didn't know that. They've been together for like nine months. And uh, suddenly like he breaks out with the fully decorated house. He's taking time off of work. He's got plans every night that are like Christmas spirit related. Yeah, I already hate this guy. <laughs> and, I, and I think to an extent you're, you're kind of supposed to, but at the same time, and, and <laughs> I thought of you, Dan, and your hum, humbuggedness this year, <laughs> which is a totally acceptable way to be. Thank um, you. And my, my husband's like, yeah, I don't, I don't see anything in this movie that represents real life. And he's kidding because of course I am, I'm going to decorate this house. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get out my stuff. It means something to me. He loves how it feels, but he's not going to spend the hours it takes to make this environment. Right. But the thing with this guy is it goes further for him and he still believes in Santa Claus and it's it was annoying and dumb, but at the end of the day, the the argument within this movie of of sort of what does faith what does faith mean to you, and how important is it to you what someone else believes in at the end of the day, just because you don't believe in it. Mm-hmm. And when I got to that, I was like, now this is an interesting movie, and I'd kind of like you to remake it. <laughs> into something better but philosophically i really enjoyed the question and the ability of people to sort of get over themselves when it comes to respecting someone else's faith uh and i felt like that was that you know you can you're in love with someone and you don't quite believe something they believe in that's okay they don't quite believe something you believe in yeah so unless that is fundamental to your existence in a relationship that is my marriage to a t there you go. I so, married a non-theistic person, and and I still believe in a uh, in a in a in a zombie uh, Jesus shirt thing like that. And and, and I, that was like, kind I, of. I just I I know I know logic says that I probably shouldn't, but like fuck, I grew up believing it, and I'm still I'm carry it to it to my grave until I'm proved otherwise. You know. And that was a lovely message within this kind of messy, silly movie that. I, I appreciate it. And I think Devin and I liked watching it together. So, you know, as far as a movie, you're mostly going to forget, but there's some philosophical ideas that are kind of interesting, especially for this time of year. Give it a try. Netflix. I like it. There you go. Curtis, what are you talking about? I went and saw um, Wakanda forever uh, over the weekend. And um, uh I was I was super impressed by it. I was I was really kind of um I shouldn't say I was surprisingly impressed by it because I felt like 
the original Black Panther was a pretty good Marvel film. Um, and I ended up liking this one a lot better. Uh, yeah. It just, to me, it was kind of like, you know, when I knew that this was in the works um, after Chadwick Boseman passed away, I was kind of like, oh, that's going to be really interesting to see how they sort of deal with that. And so from like, just a sort of, you know, from a from a um, writer's perspective and a performer's perspective, I was just sort of I went in curious, you know, and a sort of you know non-emotional, aid attached sort of way, uh, and I really got caught up in the emotion of like the weight of someone passing that like was like revered, uh, and uh by his people and stuff like that and and you know bozeman was so uh charismatic in that role yeah. and uh i mean the way he towed the line of uh of being of having this sort of nobility but also this swagger to him uh is sort of like i remember being like really like sort of blown away with that you know the first time i saw black panther i was just like wow this guy this guy is just awesome right and so how do they how do that how do they you know continue this you know storyline and you know as we might expect the mantle of the black panther gets passed on to the next person you know and um and it's just it's just it's equally as stunning and 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 her own story is uh um is deeply human um and relatable uh i think by anybody who's felt like great pain and great loss in the weight of that you know um and then on this but that's not even so that's just like the one sort of that aspect of the film this whole other aspect of the film is the introduction to uh namor the submarine mariner character who um <clears throat> in the marvel comics was a mutant and we know kind of in the mcu they've sort of because of the whole thing with like you know the 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 mutant storylines being owned by this one studio in the mcu and they sort of haven't really touched on this this is the first now that like uh marvel studios owns the rights to like Excellent. the 20th century fox things they can now bring you know the mutant storylines into the thing but on top of that there's this whole you know there's this whole indigenous you know central american sort of you know storyline and arc with his character back in that goes back into the times of the conquistadors and all that sort of stuff and so from you know and a little bit from you know my own personal perspective being part native american and you know feeling all that sort of stuff like that you know in a slight sort of way i've kind of like yeah i can kind of feel that representation a little bit and it was just really interesting how his storyline and the people of wakanda converge in what ends up being you know kind of a war between both of these factions and it's just kind of like wow that's super fucking complex you know and to me like this film really encaptures i think of what is the best stuff that marvel tends to do where it just completely you know just you know skyrockets beyond anything that like dc ever attempts and the ability to just 
to show the complexity of dueling sides to where you don't even think of like, you know, the good guys being necessarily wholly good. And you don't think the antagonist sort of villains being like wholly bad, right? Like, it's just kind of like, and, and it goes back to like those first X-File or X-Men movies where, you know, the way in which, you know, Magneto is sort of, you know, you, the way in which you see his perspective on things. And and Namor, Namor is like, you know, I mean, he's kind of brutal, right? He has this sort of brutal sort of, you know, um, way in which he's going to carry out his agenda. But you see his perspective. And it's just to me, I think that's just like that's 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 great storytelling in in a in a comic book sort of superhero type of you know veil that this whole thing is in. It kind of I think it really kind of encapsulates a lot of the complexities of us as people on a geo sort of level on this planet. So um that was the first Marvel film I feel like I've seen in a long time where I um, I immediately felt like I could sit back down and watch it again. Um, yeah. So um, I know like there's like, like there's, a, there's a ton of Marvel content out there. And I think people, many people are probably sort of oversaturated with it all because they're just cranking them out and cranking them out. But this one Wakanda forever, I feel like is, um, is going to be like one of my personal favorite ones that you know I will probably watch repeatedly. I I like how they embraced um, the the fact that Chadwick Boseman passed, but mm -hmm. also the grief that a lot of people felt in his passing, mm -hmm. and um, didn't take the easy way out of just like, well, we'll just recast Black Panther, but but using that reality. Mm -hmm. and putting it in the movie i think is yeah. an interesting touch and a really nice way to um honor his legacy because i think he touched a lot of people through um through that role absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a sad yeah it's just a sad situation that he's no longer with us and then the film sort of embraces that i feel yeah. like yeah. i think yeah. that's great um well hey if you're listening to this podcast and you like what you hear you should uh you should follow us wherever you're listening to it got the google plays and the audibles and the apples and the spotify's and wherever else you can find it and if you can't find it just let us know and uh we'll put ourselves on there uh and if you're listening to this you should check out curtis's blog 12life.com um he he has some good insights on there uh you should you should read it uh, tell your friends, check out the YouTube, you know, we got the, the video cast. If you're watching this on YouTube, check out our podcast uh, and share it around with all your friends. Once again, my name is Daniel Curtis, Millie, Alana, if you're out there, the rest of the 12s saying goodbye and go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Happy holidays. <laughs>